Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Hello, contestants of the Uncrowned Tournament, and welcome to another episode of Phantology. This is Ryan, joined by Josh, my cousin and one of my best friends, another member of the Phantology Five, and we are here to discuss Cradle Book Seven, Uncrowned, and Cradle Book Eight, Winter Steel. Now, I'm excited about this uh, specifically because I think Book Seven and Eight are probably two of my favorite books for Cradle. Book Seven maybe being my my favorite. I mean, I haven't read Book Twelve. Obviously, nobody has. Well, not nobody, but not us. Have we reached so, out about that, by the way? I don't know. Uh, so you mean like getting an ARC copy? Yeah. Is that what you're referring yeah. to? Yeah, yeah maybe I this don't... is a behind-the-scenes conversation, but we probably could reach out at least. Yeah, so as uh, members of Phantology, sometimes we can get advanced reader copies of the books that are coming out. Like, for instance, right now... Uh, Josh read Night Angel Nemesis, the new book coming out by Brent Weeks, and he and Steven are going to be doing a review for that, as well as James Eilington's new book, The Will of the Many, which Steven and Ben have read, or are reading. Steven mm-hmm. has really good things to say about that. So, really good things. So, fun things coming from Phantology. We do not have book 12, which is called Waybound by Will White, but who knows? Maybe we'll get that. That would be cool. We'll need to look into that. Get a get a review up for you guys when it comes out so that you can get that hype train up. Yeah. Hype train. Well, let's turn our vision back towards Cradle. Josh just finished book eight. Now, I finished these a few months ago, and my memories already started fading. I don't know if that's my old age or i'm just trying to cram too much fantasy in my brain at once but that's the sad state of where we're at so josh is gonna be like the pro and i'm gonna be like the semi-pro amateur who kind of remembers what happens yeah we can say that but i don't know how pro i am i i feel like with these things generally as you read more like things in the past make more sense if that if you know what i mean like yeah, I look back to some of the things that happened in the first few books, and even though they've been longer, like it just makes more sense what happened, just because I've been in the world more. So mm-hmm. I think that you still have that advantage of me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will. We'll we'll see. We'll let the listeners decide at the end of this podcast. Let's go ahead and get started with a spoiler-free review, or just thoughts in general about these books. How how did they compare to the books that came before to you, Josh? I agree with you that I think that this um, that these were some of the best books of the series. I think seven being my favorite book of the series so far. It was good too, 
actually maybe i don't know they both they were both really good i think that this is the first time spoiler thoughts for my ratings i think i would probably rate them both an eight at least they're both really good maybe as we talk about them i'll i'll give the win to one of them over the other i really enjoyed how fast paced they were the characters um zooming in on like both linden and yaren a little bit more but also getting an idea of the scope and what the plot is going to be moving forward i think finally we're getting some progression towards some of the things that were promised at the very beginning of the series that we haven't really been able to see so far so this is kind of just my vomit like all my initial thoughts and what i thought of them so yeah i I would agree. I mean, I said earlier that I think book seven might be my favorite out of the 11 released books. I don't, I, I think the format of this book is really cool of book seven. Uh, and the whole uncrowned King tournament is, um, I don't know. It just seems like you're now starting to realize like how far Lyndon has come because he's he's training training constantly out of his depth still out of his depth here but he's starting to catch up i'd say i mean he's he's been selected to compete in this tournament so obviously he's on some level equal to all the other contestants yeah and i think you start to see in some ways how especially he's been groomed for the last few years specifically so that he can be ahead of the other contestants in a lot of ways. And I think specifically like Yaren did a good job with that, but also I'm blanking on his name. Um, Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Ethan, like you can really see Ethan's plan coming together for Lyndon all the way from back from him getting his iron body to him introducing the path of the black flame, giving him like the ability to cycle his Madra in like really efficient ways so that he can adopt these new techniques. You just see these things coming together that show how far Linden is ahead than a lot of people in the tournament. Yeah. And the thing that I like about talking about Ethan is back in book, I think book two or book three, he said he's looking for people to kind of, you know, go to the end with him, right? Get to the end of the path. And we're starting to see that, you know, like they are almost on the same level as Ethan because they're competing in the tournament with him. Whereas before he's always been like master and their apprentices. It's like now they're, or at least Ethan and Garen are teammates. So that's kind of cool. We're getting closer and closer to Ethan's goal. Yeah, I do think that you see a little bit that Ethan is still pretty far ahead of him. Like they're like, why haven't you uh, gone to Underlord yet? Wait, he was at Underlord, but why haven't you gone to Overlord yet, right? Yeah. And and he was kind of just doing it because he had a... Did he know that this tournament was going to be happening? I mean, it's kind of implied. Yeah, I, I'm sure Aiden knew it was coming up. So he kept his status as Underlord, right, just so that he could be competing in this tournament is kind of the implication I got. Did I misread that? Um, you know, I can't remember, but that sounds like something Ethan would do. He's very calculated. Yeah, because then he just like goes into a room and just like advances into Overlord just like that because he had been on the precipice, like of kind of doing it whenever he wanted. Yeah, so let's jump into spoilers for the book. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I guess I've <laughs> been spoiling some things, but yeah, well, you're right. He He's obviously been ready to advance to Overlord for a long time, and 
does it with the blink of an eye. So there's no surprise there. Or, I mean, I, I guess that's surprising for us, but not surprising for Ethan. The other cool, cool thing about this book, I say this in every review, but each book, you kind of get further and further into the water. We're in the world of Cradle. We're submerging ourselves more into it. We're getting um, the scale, like, whereas now, now we're meeting and talking with monarchs much more regularly and you know overlord archlord sages even the abidon is coming in here and they're involving themselves in this i think that it's really cool to see the power levels like and see how like you can really start to affect reality one of the things that i've been kind of critical of in the past was not was kind of these different power levels and how you don't really see the differences in them because he just kind of levels up with his enemies. Now that we're getting to the point where like the next time he advances, he can just kind of change reality with like a thought and like just stop things from happening, stop people on their tracks. I don't know. Like these things are the things that I'm really excited to see him start to develop. You mean Ethan or sorry, Lyndon can just Linden. kind of stop things in their tracks. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely at the point where, He's stronger than the average cradle inhabitant. Probably significantly stronger. Yeah, um, I mean, I think he's stronger than... It seems like he's stronger than almost anybody, right? Like, there's maybe only a handful of people that are stronger than him. I mean, I think there's... At, in Uncrowned, he's still... I think he's... he's Archlords, stages, yeah. monarchs are probably all stronger than he is. Right. I I guess I'm kind of combining like where he is at the ending of uh, book eight, which I'm forgetting. The yeah, name. but yeah, uh, Winter okay. Steel. This book also gives us some more perspective on Yaren's beginnings. We see, or is this is that in Winter Steel where we see her remembering, or we get a flashback of of the Sword Sages like last moments at the. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The school, the mm -hmm. Heaven's Glory School, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, we do see that. And that, because that tied into her advancement to Overlord, right? Was that her purpose was not to be like him, but it's to be herself, whatever she's going to become. I think it was something like that. And so, yeah, we saw some of that memory. Yeah. It is pretty cool, though, because you do start to see sages and monarchs, which, again, I feel like these things have just been referenced in the past, but I didn't really understand them. But now that I'm like, okay, well, monarchs pretty much control everything that happens, really, on Cradle, you know, mm -hmm. for the most part. Like, they really only worry about when the Abaddon steps in. And there's seven of them, right? So they, they really only care about what each other think, and they kind of just play politics with the rest of Cradle. And then you get the sages, which are like definitely a pretty big step below the monarchs in a lot of ways. They're still super powerful and like you don't want to mess with them. And the heralds, yeah. Sages and heralds. Oh, yeah. They're kind of the like heralds. they're kind of like different but still on the same level. Yeah, that's kind of one thing that kind of confused me was the difference between sages and heralds and what yeah, that that's a little bit murky for me. So if I can remember it, sages have manifested an icon, mm. so their connection to the way is a bit stronger. 
whereas heralds i don't know i think they're i think they've like advanced in power level i don't remember exactly but i i do know that yaren is a sage whereas uh, or she's becoming a sage as she's manifesting the sword icon whereas somebody like fury is a herald who's who's very powerful so i i, I don't know their their power is kind of in different forms uh it says so sage this is from the abaddon archives sage often attained at the peak of archlord but not solely limited to archlords capable of Affecting the physical world through the use of their authority with the workings of willpower, they're able to affect reality. Also able to bend physical laws through sheer willpower, given the task to be carried out is within the domain of the icon, which the sacred artist manifested. The large leap in spiritual strength achieved by manifesting an icon, touching the way, aging fully stops, capable of ascending. Yeah, Versus Harold, often attained at the peak of Archlord, but not solely limited to Archlord's. It occurs when sacred artists merge with their merge their body and their spirit into a clash of wills with their remnant. Advancement to herald gives total control over one's body, which leads to possession of more than physical feats like superior strength and spiritual perception and pressure, rapid regeneration, better aura management control, aging fully stops, capable of ascending. Okay, so it seems like herald is more like a physical thing, whereas uh, sage is more of like a spiritual thing, right? Yeah, authority, yeah. Can you be a sage and a herald, or do you like pick one of the two? Well, that's a monarch. A monarch is a sage. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, achieved by advancing to both herald and sage. Good. That thanks. That I, I that helps me. That's going to help me moving forward. I feel like. Good. I wanted to talk a bit about the structure of the tournament. What do you think about that? So my thought about this, and I haven't watched a ton of anime or read a ton of anime or manga. But this is to me when it kind of starts to feel like that of like having multiple volumes take place over the course of like one tournament, you know, whereas I feel like this might just be a few chapters in like a typical book series. Um, this, you know, I kind of like seeing it really drawn out into multiple books because I think it does give you a little bit more time to really build up the intensity of it and also build up the emotions from Linda and Yaren and Ethan. So that's all to say that I liked it. It really worked for me, obviously, with me giving these such high ratings. I think it is a culmination of everything that Lyndon has worked for is given clear, pri- not prizes, not like the prize isn't that big of a deal, but you see how doing well in the tournament for these three people can really affect the outcomes of what they want in the whole world. I feel like if you're just to tell me like, oh, there's going to be two and a half books that just cover like a tournament of something and I'd be like, Oh, that's going to probably be really boring because it wouldn't like, there's only so much that that tournament can do. But for me, this is like really does a good job of showing how this is going to affect the rest of the series and how they can really learn and grow and make their purposes manifested within this tournament. I've been thinking about that a lot. So that's kind of why that answer was a little bit long, but. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say something super basic, like it reminded me of like a fusion of like maybe Hunger Games and Squid Game, the TV show. Uh, But the stakes aren't, I mean, the stakes are very high, I guess, especially when they introduce the little, is it penance? The triangle that can kill like one person. I guess the stakes are high there. 
but you know that they're not dying in the tournament so it's not like if you get killed in the tournament you just die which i kind of liked because in some ways like just dying is kind of low stakes because it's like well they just die but the rest of the world goes on but now it's like taking away the stake of dying so they can put like everything on the line they can really show everything they have with still like having stakes to it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like linden i think would throw away his life in an instant if it was going to achieve what his goals are but this is kind of taking away like ability for him to th- just throw away his life because like you can just die and come back anyway so i liked yeah. it i thought it was cool well i i was just going to say that that brings us to the kind of the peak of the tournament at least for linden which is where you know curtain rises and he realizes he's facing off against Yaren and it's one it's either him or her being advancing and it's interesting because at first he's thinking like I don't want to hurt Yaren I don't want to mess up her chances and like by doing that he was he was upsetting her because like he wouldn't give her his best I yeah I really liked how they did that how you could really kind of feel that these were two people that really wanted to and like just give all of themselves to each other, if that makes sense. And when I say that, that seems like kind of like a romantic thing, which this is developing, like the romance is developing, but it's like in some ways more than that, because they have to respect each other enough that they are going to do everything they can to help each other advance. And in this case, it means like one of them is going to have their heart broken in some ways. Yeah. And one of them can only one can advance. And I was, I think I was expecting Lyndon to win the tournament or at least get like runner up. I wasn't expecting him to get knocked out this early into year. And that was surprising. Yeah. I want to go back and listen to our last conversation because I know you had asked me if I thought Lyndon was going to win. Do you remember what I said? I, I can't remember what I said. I can't remember what you said either. It's, oh, shoot. Uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because I I want to know what prediction I made, but it's fine. We don't have to go back and look. I think I think you predicted Lyndon would win. I probably did, but I think I said something like, I hope he doesn't win because I feel like he's just won everything he's done so far. Yeah. I think you said, like, you couldn't see him not winning. Yeah, because he's won everything he's done so far. But I think that this is definitely the way that it should go down. The only thing is, would anything have been different if Lyndon would have won? You know, like it still seems like he would still have used penance to like kill that uh, monarch guy that was going to go kill everyone, right? Yeah. Sesheth or Regan Shen. I mean, Yaren used penance to kill Sesheth Kunaz. But. Do you think you think uh, Linda would have done the same? Was there an option to kill the Dread God? Was that one of the options? I can't remember. Um, I don't think it was. I'm not sure. But I could have seen Linden trying to kill the Dread God, huh. which admittedly would have been pretty cool. Um, all right. So let's. Uh, unless you want to talk about anything else on in the Uncrowned tournament, or at least Uncrowned the book. We should maybe move on to Winter Steel, which Let's is it. it's kind of like starts off with like an intermission, I would say, of the tournament where these people go to train with different sages, 
Am I remembering that correctly? Or was this was this before? Yeah, they get some gifts, I think, and they get to train with the sages. Or maybe there was one other like thing because I think that was just the top four. But yeah, and Lyndon is given a little communication device that he can use to talk to Ethan and Yaren. No, that's at the beginning. Charity gives that to Lyndon. Yeah. Yeah, so um, remember the part where Yaren... Oh, yeah, so this is... So Yaren yeah. goes with the Winter Sage to train with her, and at the same time, Lyndon goes with... He, he goes out to, like, that battlefield, or with Akura Fury, where they're kind of battling it out with the the cults, right? Yeah, yeah. He starts just uh, draining people of Madra because he can use their Madra to help him advance. Yeah, so he's he's working on his consume skill, which is kind of career, it's just kind of scary, honestly. Like, yeah, consuming power from people to power himself, and and he gets like hyper focus focused on like earning points. That's kind of like a meme. Is like how focused Lyndon gets on. It's like I gotta I gotta earn more points. I gotta get this. Yeah, I kind of like how uh, Lyndon is given like what's typically kind of bad guy powers, if that makes sense. Like yeah. consuming people's Madra, the black flame, the black flame. Like his eyes are just black. Like, I kind of yeah. like how traditionally these are associated with like evil or vampires or whatever. But Lyndon is just like yeah. a super nice guy, but has all these scary powers. I mean, it, it is funny because a lot of people will like describe Lyndon like. When when he like gets his like black eyes, he just like becomes this like terrifying monster to them. And it, when he doesn't have that, he's just kind of like a normal like a normal boy or teen. And it's like hard to reconcile. Like these, it's like almost two different people. Yeah. Um. And but that's what makes it cool because you get to follow Aaron a little or Lyndon a little bit, and you see him growing from this like. Boy, you can't like literally do anything, and now is like just everybody's cowering in front of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that is fun. That's um, the progression is so strong in this in this series that I mean that's a lot of the fun of reading it. I don't want to call it progression fantasy. I think because we've had people say that it's not. It's more like, or no, it is progression fantasy. It's not Sorry. lit RPG. It's not lit RPG. I got those confused. So the other thing I really like about Winter Steel is we start to learn a lot more about Yaren's blood shadow. At first, the, her blood shadow is a monster. Like, it killed her family when she was younger. and But, but now it's kind of like taken on characteristics of Yaren and almost became like a mirror of herself. Slightly mm-hmm. different. And I think... It's it also I think reveals Yaren's feelings for Lyndon as well. Because the blood shadow leaves to go be with Lyndon for a while. Yeah, that was kind of awkward. Like Lyndon goes on a date kind of with Yeah her, her Blood Shadow. Yeah, I mean I, I think it it's kind of like a less guarded uh Yaren in some ways. Yeah. Absolutely. So I thought that was I thought that was cool, and I don't know. I, I did I did like that aspect where it's like you know Yaren is out of the picture, and suddenly we see what what does he call the blood shadow? The blood shadow Ruby? has a name. 
Ruby, yeah. So he, like, gets to know Ruby, and Ruby's kind of like, hey, Lyndon, want to be my girlfriend? And Lyndon's like, well, you're, like, Yaren, but not. And Yeah. I think she asked if, I think that they're about to, like, kiss or something, but he's like, oh, yeah. we can't, you're not Yaren. That'd be really yeah. weird, man. It was sad at the same point, because you're like, oh, poor Ruby. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's just kind of a whole weird situation. Mm-hmm. So this leads me into one thing I kind of wanted to say. I wish that it was a little bit better. Is I feel like there's some emotion kind of lacking in terms of relationships in general. Like I feel like I can, as a reader, put that emotion in there. Like oh man, these characters have spent a lot of time together. I've been shipping them for a long time, and like this is kind of coming together. But I don't really see that on the page that much. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I definitely agree. I don't think that... I think Will White is similar to Brandon Sanderson in the sense that he's kind of good at building a lot of things around relationships, but not like like the passion of the relationship itself. Yeah. I think think Brandon Sanderson tries to do that a little bit more, though. Like... I do agree that that's yeah. definitely not one of his super strong suits. I feel like there's not really even that many scenes or like conversations where like I'm seeing emotion being poured out from the characters. Yeah. It's, it's clear that they care for each other, but they don't like express it very well. And, and yeah, I mean, at some point it's like, is it the characters or is it like the author struggling to express it through them? Yeah, and again, like I think it's a decision. I don't know if I'd say that the author is really struggling because I think I would say if he's struggling is if he's writing these scenes and they're just not landing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd just say it's not really a focus of this series, and I kind of wish it, not like a focus focus, but I just wish that we got a little bit more scenes of emotion from the characters. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree with that. Um, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember in future books. But obviously, I'm not going to talk about that now. Is there anything else? I mean, so I, I have other points, but it's kind of towards the end of the book. So were there any other, like, you know, and throughout the middle of the book, before we get to the climax parts of Winter Steel that you wanted to talk about? It's, it's kind of... Yeah, I think that Yaren kind of, ga- or Lyndon kind of gathering those points felt a little bit sluggish at times. Like, he had the team that he had put together is fun but if that doesn't move forward into the rest of the books then it kind of feels a little bit pointless if i'm to make a bad pun on about the book but like i don't know i think it would be cool if he developed this team and then like he took this team into the rest of the series a little bit but it doesn't seem like that's really going to happen that's kind of the only other thing before the end of the book okay that's fair so what what i wanted to talk about I can't get it out of my head. Well, first, let's go. Let's go back to Ethan, Ethan, because mm-hmm. I think it was surprising how quickly he beat uh, Shah Miara, who was this, you know, a monarch in disguise. Which I mean, I guess it didn't like fully make sense because all of the like monarch abilities and memories are passed down to Shah Miara from her mother, right? So how did she like? I don't know how did she. Lose? How was she able to compete? Well, I I mean I know that she kind of like 
tricked her way into it or she wouldn't she wouldn't perform at a higher level than overlord or archlord but even without the power you'd think that a monarch could still be able to like outmaneuver you think yeah i think it just goes to show that ethan really was probably a lot closer to like being a monarch than he was really even to being an underlord yeah like or at least uh, he's like definitely at the top of, he would have been at like the top of the archlord mm-hmm. but he was just okay. kind of keeping himself at the underlord status all right well he obviously was so impressive that they they bribed him into losing his into throwing his next match that was mm-hmm. so surprising to me that he took the bribe i was like what well i think to me he was confident enough that yaren was going to win and do the same things he would have done. You know what I mean? That he saw an yeah. opportunity for him to get things that he wouldn't be able to get otherwise. That that's another that is a really good point. I don't know if I was if I was eighth, then I don't know if I could have had that same confidence. Well, that's why he's uh that's why he's the powerful sacred artist that he is, and I'm not I, I think to me it's implied that there's some sort of like knowledge that Ethan has of the future because he, I don't know, he has that like sense, like that, like bloodline sense, right? Yeah. I know that that doesn't necessarily respond to your like extended to knowledge of future events. It just seems like he has to in some ways. Yeah. I think that that is maybe um, a good point. Might come up in later books. Fair enough. I'm saying that a lot to you this episode, John. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. So I want to get back to now that we've we've talked a little bit about Ethan. So there's the showdown between Sofar and Yaren, right? So far, and Yaren, the showdown between yeah, this is the big one at the end of the book where Yaren kind of gets her butt handed here for a few different rounds, right? Uh huh. And then yeah, comes back to win it all. So how is Safana so far advanced? Well, I think that. They had kind of like forced her to advance um, past like her spiritual, like what her spirit could handle. Hmm. So, like, even though she was so far advanced and like so powerful, it ended up like ultimately being her downfall. That's kind of only because Yaren had kind of extended into being a sage already, though, right? Yeah, I think so. Was, okay, so yeah, I, I need to think about what happened. So, Yaren like fully bonds with Ruby, with Ruby, right? So that's not necessarily her her remnant that she's bonding, which is what she would have to do if she was going to become a monarch, right? Mm-hmm. But it did give her like some powers of a monarch. Am I thinking? Am I thinking about this right? I mean, yeah, I guess if you think of like a monarch, like having authority. Maybe not monarch, but a herald, a sage, sage. Yeah. Well, I thought the sage was bonding, was or was manifesting her sign, not her sign, but her. Oh yeah. So I've been wrong this whole time. I've been saying that Yaren is like almost a sage, but you're right. She's almost. She's like a herald, but not quite a herald, right? Because. And I think that's why, because she was always trying to become a sage, she needed to realize that she needed to be like progress towards become a herald because bonding with ruby would allow her to do a lot of that right yeah 
but she's terrible. not yet an arch lord, right? And typically right. it's arch lords, so she she isn't quite high enough level to be like your normal herald. She got like some herald powers, which is why she could just kind of like usually destroy. What's your face? So Farah. Farah, yeah. So Farinatoth. Man, dragons have like long names. So Farinatoth, Sesheth, Hunaz. Just saying. Uh, that's uh, long, difficult names to pronounce. Um, but yeah, that was a, another one where I was on the edge of my seat for a while. Like I did know if if she would fail. I didn't think she would. Like yeah, after those first two rounds, I'm like, well, I don't know how she's coming back from that. I think that that was a really well paced, intriguing fight that Bull White set up. And so at the end of that, the fact that Yaren won kind of set off this whole like conflict because suddenly they realized Yaren was going to come into possession of this powerful weapon and she could kill anybody she wanted to, essentially, and that set off this war. I like how she just used it too, because there's all that talk of like, well, it's not just the ability to kill someone, but it's everybody else knowing that yeah. they have that ability too. That's true. She just was like, yep, yeah, you're dying. And then, I mean, it, they kind of seem like everybody's on the back foot, right? Like we, it's it, so far as just seems like too powerful. Like how can you beat her? And then, um, the Akura clan is just losing to the cultists and the dragons. And then all of a sudden, Akura Fury's like, Hey, you know what? I'm actually a monarch now too. So he was, was all, pretty crazy. He kind of pulled uh, the trick out of Ethan's book and was like, I've been ready to advance for a while. The one thing I kind of wish we'll say is that I kind of wish that you would have been introduced to these characters a little bit longer so that these Things would have been more impact- impactful. Small, Which small characters role. do you mean? Uh, some of the other contestants in the tournament, maybe. like Just kind of all the side characters that we've been talking about so far. Yeah. I mean, you're learning a little bit more about them. Like, or this, like a select few. I, these books are already... I feel like it's hard enough to... If you start taking more time away from Lyndon, Yaren, Ethan then it's going to be hard to like fully develop them or flesh yeah. it out enough, flesh out right. their story I th- enough. I think maybe just having, again, like these conversations, it seems like we have so much character development just on a battlefield. Because I feel like if they just even went out to like a party with the other contestants and you just like got to know them a little bit, it might go a pretty long way towards you actually caring about them you know or really really hoping that they get defeated because you hate them so much just something you know that so that they're not just mm-hmm. another face that Lyndon or Yaren has to get through I mean so far we kind of like understood her a bit with Lyndon killing her sister True. yeah but I mean probably not as much as you might want she also wasn't it so far who killed the that other like adherent of the path of black flame who went crazy and Lyndon had kind of like brought him back and then Safara just killed him at the end. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was back in Underground. So that was another like kind of despicable thing that Safara had done. Um yeah. 
I don't know. I think I think after we talked about it, I think I agree with you. I think I like book seven a little bit more than book eight. Although I think that year and winning the tournament is definitely going to be a high point of the series. But I think as a whole, yeah, I, I think I might bump book seven up to an 8.5. Book eight. Thing at an yeah. eight. I just thought it was great. It was action packed. It didn't have like a lot of Linden just like meditating or mm-hmm. like channeling Madra. You know, there was like action, action, action. There's a lot of like, you know, unexpected developments. I guess we still see Linden, Yer, and Ethan like in the top. And I mean, we haven't really talked much about Mercy, but she's there. She's doing work. She almost beats so far herself, right? That was kind of sad that she kind of, you know, Charity kind of came in and and laid into her a little bit. You start to really like these characters too, like Mercy, I especially like. Yeah, I was wondering if there was going to be a love triangle between like Mercy and Lyndon because there's been like a few hints, you know, you're like she was there trying to marry him off to her, right? Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's not uh, in book eight. That's pretty overt when they you know talk about it. But but Mercy is like very aware of Lyndon and Yaren's relationship, and like, hey, we're friends. You got Yaren. I'm kind of thinking Mercy and Nathan. That's kind of what I'm. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But again, it doesn't seem like romance is a really big part of the series, so I probably I shouldn't get my hopes up too much. I thought Ethan might have a thing with Naru Seiya, you know, the other member of his team. Yeah. I guess I never right. really picked up on that chemistry. You're right. It's um maybe not the not the top reason to read these books is romance. Yeah. It's definitely not uh Court of Thorns and Roses or But I think the relationships are good. Relationships are good. I think characters are good. And so you enjoy seeing them interact with each other. It's just not a ton of emotion. <laughs> yeah. I guess the last thing we haven't, I don't think we talked about this at all. The last review was the conflict between like the greater conflict with the Abidon and the Roshir and the fact that the Mad King has now stolen like kind of a prototype attempt at Osriel's scythe or razor. Which Something I think like it's that. a scythe. His scythe. So they've suddenly they're like a lot more threatening to the Abidon. Honestly, I don't know what's going on too much with that story. I kind of wish I was more involved. I kind of hope that somebody's gone through and like put together just all those scenes so I could just kind of go through and read them. You know, like what people do with um, Sanderson's like preheader chapters. They put them all together so that you can just go read them. Oh yeah, I think that would be a good resource. Well, I will say that it becomes, I mean, they're they're introducing it more and more. Like, the, the Abidon and the world and the inhabitants are interacting more and more. So I think it's, I mean, I know it's going to be more important than later books. So I'm, I'm advising you to maybe pay more attention. I, I need to. This sounds bad, but I kind of, the books always end on kind of a cliffhanger. And so I just kind of want to get into the plot of like what happened in the last book. Like, what are they doing now? What's going to happen? I just kind yeah. of want to get into that. So when I have to sit through a storyline that isn't too compelling for me at this point, it's kind of like, ah, just let's get through it. All right. Well, you, you read how you want to read. I don't know. I mean, 
that might be a hot take, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It feels like something that I would enjoy on paper, but isn't working for me as much as I wish it would. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I disagree with you. Oh, fa- fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Anything else you wanted to bring up before we, before we wrap up this episode, Josh? Just, uh, I think that you kept kind of hinting that these two books would be kind of a turning point for the series. And I feel like it fulfilled that. I think that you gave me some good advice. I wasn't like thinking about giving up or anything, but I, I think that this is going to give me the oomph that I need to like for sure be caught up by the time, uh, book 12 comes out. I, yeah, it, it kicks things into high gear. That's for sure. I will say it's kind of funny because I am right now for Phantology, we are doing Legends and Lattes as our book club book, which is written by Travis Baldry. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Travis Baldry. And so he is the narrator from Cradle, and he is also narrating his own book, Legends and Lattes, which you can really get two different types of books but they're written just close enough in style, like without super flowery prose that like, because it's him reading it and he does pretty much the same voice. I'm always like, wait, I'm not listening to cradle right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Legends and Lattes. <laughs> just kind of funny. funny. I I've heard good things about Legends and Lattes, but I have not read it myself. Yeah, so I'm about a third of the way through it. Pretty chill. Just stakes are low. You're, sitting with an orcist he establishes a coffee shop in the middle of like a you know traditional D town so it's kind of like after the adventure is done their adventuring they go settle down and set up a coffee shop kind cool. of fun well i would just like to say that i mean you've talked about your ratings about these two books you said maybe like an eight and a half for book seven uncrowned and like an eight for winter steel is that what you're i think that's what i'm sitting at yeah so I would probably say I would probably give book seven a nine out of ten. I really liked it. Like I said, probably my favorite book that's released so far for Cradle. And I'd probably give book eight an eight out of ten. It nice. had a lot of cool moments, but um it was maybe not quite as focused as I would have liked. I think the break between before we got back to the tournament dragged on a little bit more than I wanted. Yeah, I agree. I was just interested in, you know, figuring out what would happen. And so I don't know. It, it seemed almost like a long time, you know, from when we got to, to get the resolution of the tournament from when we finished book seven. I agree. But that being said, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. I want to give a shout out to, I believe their name is Kukri, K-U-K-R-I. This is somebody who joined our Discord and has given us some good feedback on our episodes and uh, on specifically our Cradle episodes. And I love that as a content creator, as a podcaster, when people come talk to us. So if you're listening to this and you want to come join our Discord, then... That would be awesome. We would love to chat with you about it, hear what you have to say. Yeah, until next time, this is Phantology. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Joining me. Train. Yep. Talk to you next time.